For you are here, and we are here. Guide us by your word. Teach us. Draw us closer into you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, week two of our journey in Lent. How's everybody doing? Feeling very spiritual? Growing? We've had this, we we're talking about being a time of reflection and to look inside. And we're going to continue this week on our journey, our spiritual journey, but Jesus' physical journey. Jesus is going to Jerusalem. In the Gospel of Luke, he begins moving toward Jerusalem. He's not in a hurry. In chapter 9. And he'll actually get there in chapter 19. So a lot is going to happen in this in-between period before he rides into Jerusalem in all that honor and glory that he gets. Okay, so I don't know if you noticed the very first words of today's gospel. What were they? Some Pharisees. And they came to warn Jesus. Okay. The Pharisees are coming to warn Jesus. We don't get many good reports of Pharisees in the Gospels, right? They always seem to be in conflict. There's always something going on. Well, I was really struck by that when I read some Pharisees. Something I've heard it before, but it's interesting how you see something different every time. So, I did a lot, I kept trying to find out more about the Pharisees. And the only person that I got a lot of information from was Barclay, who wrote his commentaries long, long ago. And he says, and I haven't been able to verify it, so I'm telling you what he said, but he said there were seven kinds of Pharisees, seven different kinds of Pharisees. And I thought that was interesting. So, there were these shoulder Pharisees, and they walked around wearing all their good deeds on their shoulders. There were the weight a little Pharisees, whose feeling was, if I just wait a little while, somebody else will do that thing that needs to be done. <laughs> One of my favorites was the bruised and bleeding Pharisees. All right, no rabbi was allowed to speak to a woman, even his wife or mother, if he ran into her on the street in the town. But the bruised and bleeding Pharisees took it a step farther. They closed their eyes so they wouldn't even have to look at a woman. And so as a result, they kept walking into walls. <laughs> so they're all bruised and what? And they thought it was just a source of wonderful pride. Okay. Then there were the humped back Pharisees. Now they were bent over double with all their false humility. Happy oh, on the back. And there were the ever-reckoning Pharisees. And these were the ones who kept track of their good deeds. Um, got four, four good checks over here, so I'm getting closer to God. And then there were the timid Pharisees. These are the sad ones because they lived their life in the fear of God. So they never really enjoyed it. And then last but not least were the God-loving Pharisees. 
And these are the ones that um, were kind of copies of Abraham, living lives of faith and humility and all of this. So, as I read all of these false, I mean, all of these different Pharisees, and I thought, you know, that has a good bit to say to us. Good bit to say to us. Um, did you see yourself in any of them? I mean, do you ever put off doing something that, yeah, you just hope somebody else makes that phone call. Somebody else takes that dinner. Somebody else does it, and you don't have to. I remember when my husband, and this was many years ago, agreed to teach middle school boys or Sunday school. People would come up to him and say, there are stars in your crown for doing this. I mean, nobody was to teach middle school boys. Stars in your crown. But I've heard that before. People would come up and say, oh, you did this good thing. That's a star in your crown. So, um, ever want to make sure everybody knows about that good deed you did? See, I think we can see ourselves in some aspects of these Pharisees. So we can't be too judgmental of them. But anyway, it's just an interesting way to kind of look at your own life and see what speaks to me about that. Maybe where do I need to make a few changes on my journey this week. So, but let's go back to the gospel now. So, the, um, I'm going to assume that the Pharisees that are coming to Jesus are really the last ones, the, the good, the kind Pharisees who are watching out for them. And they are warning Jesus about Herod and telling him that Herod... Now, do you all remember Herod? This is not Herod the Great. This is Herod Antipas, who has what? Married the wife of his half-brother. I mean, you know, this, he is not a nice guy. This is the Herod that had his head of John the Baptist cut off and served on a platter. So they, they, they feel good. They're warning Jesus. Herod could have some mean plans for you, some nasty things to do. But Jesus' response is, you go tell that fox. Now, a fox in the first century was considered to be a sly, conniving, vicious animal. And that's how Jesus refers to Herod. So he's not going to let Herod get in the way of his ministry. He'll continue to heal. He'll continue to cast out demons until the time that he is called into Jerusalem. And he says, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets. Jerusalem, the holy city. Jerusalem, where the temple is. Jerusalem, who just won't listen. The people of Jerusalem. And he says, how do you stone the prophets? And, um, and that was true. Zechariah and Uriah were both stoned, they were, you know, cast out of Jerusalem. And probably the most current prophet that he would have been referring to would have been John the Baptist who was killed. John who saying, prepare the way of the Lord. So it's really a lament that Jesus is saying over the people of the city. How I want to draw you to myself. 
how I would love to so draw you in, I could be like a mother chick, mother hen who puts her chicks under it. Now this is true that oftentimes when there were fires um, in, the, in the barnyards and places, that people would go in, and even in the wilds, and find a mother hen who had brought the babies all in under her wings. And she would be burned and dead, but the babies would be alive under there. The chicks would be brought out and say, she would give her life to save them. And that's what Jesus is saying. How I wanted to gather you in. I want to gather you all under my wings, my, under my arms, so that you too will know safety and security. So this is a tragic um, image that Jesus has. <laughs> he just so wants, wants to give them everything that they don't have. Understanding of salvation, of forgiveness, and transformed lives, and a new beginning. But he doesn't. He encounters hardened hearts, pushback from the religious establishment, people stuck in their own sinfulness, unwilling to be set free. Not even wanting to be set free. So, on our Lenten journey, we're called to look at our lives. Where, where do we want to be set free? Where do we want to have our lives refreshed and renewed? Where do we need to find forgiveness? Where do we need to move into a new sense of freedom? And this journey that we're on is so different from what the world is telling us. Because the world is telling us, it's all about me. You know, well, actually, it should be all about me, right? <laughs> it's all about me. It's all about what I want. It's all about what I need. It's all about what I can accumulate. <clears throat> but our Latin journey says, no, no, no. It's not all about me. It's all about what God can do in and through me. What he has given me. See, there's a sense. And it says in the Bible that, you know, God knew you before you were born. There's a sense that we come in carrying the very DNA of God within us. It says, it's in all of creation. God created everything and it was what? Good. It carried the mark and the stamp of God. So we have that. Now, we either go into it and let it flourish in our lives, or we turn our backs on it and kind of tamp it down. So the reality is that we come from God. And ultimately, we will be going back to God. See, I think Jesus came not only to save us, which was his ultimate thing, but also to teach us how to be human in the world, to live with 
take a look at this again in a new and deeper way to see what we, to see and look at who we can become. He teaches us about being human in a broken world. And it is a very broken world that we live in. God made once said, and this is a very sad statement, God made once said, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. What does that say about people who profess Jesus as Lord but don't want to live into Jesus as Lord of their life? I like your Christ. I don't like the people who claim to follow him because they're living artificial lives. We're called to more than that. Paul reminds us in Philippians that our citizenship is in heaven. And I, Paul does not strike me as the most humble man. But, and in this passage, it kind of starts off, well, you, should, you know, you should copy me because so I went back and I read all the stuff before. And it doesn't sound as pompous as he could, because he said, I would give up everything, everything that I had. And he said, and you know, I had it all. I was the top dog. He said, I give it all. The power of knowing Jesus in my life. He would give it all. And so I don't think, I think he said, now that's what he means when he says, imitate me, because not because I'm so wonderful, but because I was willing to give it all to see and understand the revelation of Jesus. And that's what we're all about in Lent. Each week we're going to see something about Jesus. We're going to be invited in to his presence in a new way. We're going to be called to be humble. We're going to be called to be thankful. Jesus is on his journey to the cross for each and every one of us. But we have a journey too. And our journey is as we go through this life to minister and love and share with each other. And not only just with each other, it's pretty easy in here, but with that world out there where it's not so easy oftentimes. The journey of what draws us, draws us in. You know, Jesus gathered people everywhere he went. And he loved on them, and he spoke to them, and he taught them, and he healed them. That's our journey as well. That the people that we meet, that we touch, we touch them. We share our lives with them. Not just the good stuff. Sometimes we've got to share our heart and our 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 losses so that we too can speak into somebody else's life and to be there for them and to live them. So journey on, fellow pilgrims. <laughs> it's Lent two. And we will pick up on this on Lent three next week and see where we're going from there. So I just pray you off a blessed week and
We will now continue with the service. So I invite you to stand for the prayer.